I don't know what church they went to, but <laughs> does give us food for thought. Uh, we're in a series where we are looking at uh, the Ten Commandments to encourage us to think about uh, these as words that come to us from a, from a loving God who, who creates us, who sustains us, uh, and I believe gives us wisdom to be able to, to live life uh, to the fullest. And so uh, we're working through each and every week uh, the opportunity to, to examine uh, one of those commandments. A uh, part of my goal uh, is to help you know what the commandments are. So each week I'm trying to get you to tell me uh, what they are. So if someone wants to tell me what the first commandment is, what is it? All right, no other gods. That's good. Okay, so somebody else tell me commandment number two. No images. Don't make an image for yourself. All right, so somebody else tell me number three. We'll stand here for a while. What was it? Sabbath. We're going to hold on to that when we come back to four. Um, what's number three? You somebody else. And we'll make somebody else come up with it. Not yet. Nope, Sabbath holy is number four. We're going to come to Diane for that one. Somebody's got to tell me three. Ah, do not take the, the Lord's name in vain. Don't take the name of Yahweh and make it insignificant. Here's your homework for next week. This should not be that difficult. All right, so y'all should know the commandments. Number four, what was it, Diane? Keep the Sabbath holy. That's right. And who was it that yelled number five? Honor your father and mother. Didn't the youth do a great job last week uh, to be able to be in worship? They worked for a long period of time to be able to get to where they were able to do that. And it was just an amazing uh, part of a, in a great way to kind of push us to think about honoring your father and your mother. So if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open up to Exodus chapter 20. We're going to look at commandment number six. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, get ready, do not kill, all right, that's Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, do not kill, and then flip to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, I'm going to read 21 and 22, and then I'm going to jump down to 43 and 44. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 says this. You have heard that it was said to those who lived long ago, don't commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. And then in verse 43, you have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. So at first glance, we hear Exodus 20, verse 13, do not kill. And it seems fairly easy, fairly doable. But I would encourage you to open your minds today and, and see if God's word is saying maybe a little bit more to us. 
Here's the truth. The very first murder occurred in Genesis chapter 4. So you have Adam and Eve who are in the Garden of Eden, and they do what we do. They know what they should do. They know what they shouldn't do. But yet they listen to the voice of the serpent, and they do what they shouldn't do. And so paradise is lost, and they are thrown out of the Garden of Eden. They have children, Cain and Abel. And if you read the story, you know that it appears as if Abel is, uh, that life is going fairly well for Abel. Uh, and it would also appear that maybe life is not going that well for, for Cain. Uh, some suggestion would be is that the, the blessings of God are upon Abel, and maybe the blessings of God are not upon Cain. Whatever reason, you get Cain who begins to build resentment towards his brother. They bring offerings, and it says that Abel brings like the very best offerings to God, his first offerings, his first fruit. But yet Cain brings an offering and it's just whatever's left over, just the grain that's left over. And so this resentment grows and it grows inside of Cain. And so Cain suggests to his brother, hey, let's go out in the fields. Let's take a walk together. And as he takes the walk, he picks up a stone and he beats his brother to death. We see this in Genesis chapter 4. Now, before that chapter is over, we meet Lamech. Lamech is Noah's father. And this is generations has passed since then. But Lamech begins to boast to the people around him that if you harm me, I'll kill you. If you come after me, if you harm me, I'm going to seek vengeance on you. And I'm going to seek vengeance on you to the 77-fold time. Do you all hear the magnitude of what happens in generations of time? The magnitude of the vengeance, this is the mentality that we see of Lamech. It's not that I'm just going to get even, it's the bumper sticker. I'm not going to get even, I'm going to get ahead. That's his mentality. And we see this very early in the biblical narrative. Literally, this is all in chapter 4 of Genesis. And so we come to Genesis chapter 6, and we read this in verse 11. In God's sight... The earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. And so God is grieved. God is grieved that he created mankind. And so he prepares to send a flood. And the flood is to cleanse the earth. It's to wash away all of the horrible things that people are doing to each other. And so in Genesis chapter 9... God speaks to what I believe is the fundamental, um, the fundamental principle that's underneath the sixth commandment. Genesis 9, verse 6, look at what it says. Whoever sheds human blood by human, his blood will be shed. For in the divine image, God made human beings. We know, and this is what we have, we know from Old Testament, we know that there are times that people have to defend themselves. And we know that the, that the biblical story tells us that they, 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 they built into their system that if somebody were to accidentally die, they, they literally had a plan. That they had cities of refuge. So you had six different cities of refuge. And so if somebody died accidentally and you were somehow involved in that, you could go live in this city of refuge and you wouldn't be punished. You could live your life out. You could live life to the full. But, but if somebody died and they could, they could 
tell that you intentionally did this, your punishment was death. Why? And it's because of this verse, it's because of this, because everybody is created in the image of God. It's called the Imago Dei, that we have the image of God that is within us. The imprint, I want you to listen to this. You, you, you graduates, listen to this. The imprint of God is upon you. That means that we are God's children. We, are, we belong to God. And I hope that you find, I mean, I hope that excites you. But see, there's an implication there. Because I can get excited that God's imprint is on me. I can get excited that I am God's children. I can get excited that I belong to God. But here's the truth. The implication is the person to your left and the person to your right, the imprint of God is upon them. The person to your left, the person to your right, the person in front of you, the person behind you, they belong to God. The people in your community, the ones you like and the ones you don't like, they are God's children. Do you see the implication of that principle? That the image of God is in each of us. And so we have to realize that every single one of us have value to God. We have worth to God. We are created in the image of God. We are created to have value and worth to God. So when I was studying for this, if you, I, I, I selected the translation that we read because in the Jewish understanding, that they, they would change that. It would not be do not kill. They would understand it as murder. Do not murder. Because to murder is to murder God's image. It takes to the very heart, the, at the core, the value of each person, the value that each person has in the sight of God. And one author I read wrote this, said that do not murder is more than just about murder. It's bigger than that. It's about relational harm and emotional harm. It's not just simply physical harm. And so that concept, when you begin to think about this concept of Imago Dei, it has implications for social issues that are beyond what we talk about on this morning, on, on this day here, is issues of euthanasia, and issues of abortion, and issues of capital punishment, issues of suicide. All of these have implications that come from this concept of Imago Day. One of the things that I want you to understand is that what we say, what we do, the actions that we take, when we harm someone, we violate the spirit of the sixth commandment because we cause harm to God. And is this relevant to us? Absolutely, because we live in a culture that violence exists. I looked up and saw what the, the murder rate was for Henry County. And we, while we are below national average, it's still 3.1 per 100,000. Atlanta, 15th highest murder rate in the United States of America. See, when we begin to think about these social issues that are important for us to talk about, what I really want to challenge you, because I'm not going to convince any of you on any topic to change probably what you, what you, you, you come in today with your passionate views on 
all of these different topics. But at the heart, when you begin to think about it, when you begin to discuss it, is this principle that every single person has within inside of them the imprint of God, the Imago Dei. They have value, they have worth to God. Leviticus 19 says this, Leviticus 19 verse 16, do not stand by while your neighbor's blood is shed. I am the Lord. We are our brother's keeper. As the people of God, that, that's, that is who we are. So what causes someone to kill another human being? Um, look, you can Google like I can Google. Uh, you can Google up what are the top, but, but it's not rocket science. In some ways, it's, it's common sense of what that is. Anger, jealousy, resentment, fear, insecurities, hatred, just a criminal act can cause that. And those are not an exhaustive list, but what I want you to really think about is at the heart of all of those are heart issues. And I love this because I think Jesus, I mean, it's not going to surprise you. For, I think Jesus is like so incredibly wise. He knew that you can't legislate heart issues. And so he speaks about it differently. He moves from killing to matters of the heart. Listen again what he says in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said those who lived long ago don't commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, they will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say, you fool, they will be in danger of fiery hell. Listen, when you have anger in your heart, when you have resentment, when you have unforgiveness in your heart, and you hold on to it, this scripture tells us you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. It's going to lead you to do things. It's going to lead you to say things. It's going to lead you to act in ways that you shouldn't say, you shouldn't do, and you shouldn't act. It's going to lead us in that direction. And we see from this that, that while the video is funny, the lady at the very end, if you, if you listen to her, she said, but it's just a word. Listen, words matter. It says that if you, if you call your, your brother Raka, which is the word that we get for idiot, if you call, that you have you're in danger of being judged by the council. And if you call your brother Mora, which is the word that we would get moron, which would be fool, that you're not just in danger of, of judgment from the council, you're in danger of, of going to hell. So, I mean, I, I hear those words that Jesus says, and I hope that you hear them and, and think, okay, so what I say really is significant, right? I mean, what I say can cause damage. Last week, one of our youth stood up here and talked about being bullied. And if you didn't hear her story, I want you to go back and listen to what she says on our Facebook page. Listen to last week's sermon. And all of them who spoke, they, 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 it was great. But, but for this message today, Katie's story really struck at me because she, she talked about 
as a young person being told that, that she was worthless. And I had several of you throughout the week that told me that their stories brought tears to your eyes. And I think the reason being is because we, we, our spirit connected to her spirit in that moment. I, I get people in my office who are 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years older than Katie who are still dealing with the fact that somebody in their life when they were younger told them that they were worthless. Somebody told them they were fat. Somebody told them they were ugly. Somebody told them that they had no value. Don't tell me words don't matter. Because we fight it our whole lives, right? Words, they're important. And you harm, you create harm to someone who has the image of God inside of them. To me, it's about a killing of the soul slowly over time. And somehow we live in a culture that tells us that it's okay. It's okay to say ugly words. It's okay to, to say something about someone if you don't like them. Listen, when you say, I don't agree with you, and here's why I don't agree with you, that is okay. But when you attack someone, you harm them. You harm God. You harm something that belongs to God. You harm something that has the, the, the imprint of God in them. Listen, your words do matter, church. And let me just say this to you. Your words on all these topics, what you post, what you say, it does in fact matter. It does affect the next generation. We're one who, who may make judgments on, on politicians and people of the other political party. I don't see anything in scripture that says, you know what, don't, don't, don't talk ugly about anybody except somebody of the other political party. We, we don't have permission to be able to pick and choose what we do. We're the people of God, and God has said that our words matter to us. What you say about someone, what you say to someone, tells whether they have value or it communicates something opposite, which is that they don't have value or worth. Look at what Luke says in Luke 6, verse 29. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other one as well. It's not about punching someone it's literally in scripture it's about striking and striking is an insult to someone so what Jesus is saying is this is when someone insults you don't insult them back when someone insults you don't insult them back we just live unfortunately in a time where we give permission and actually laugh about it when we insult back but scripture tells us that as people in the kingdom of God, we are to be different. It's interesting that as I was writing this sermon, I got a Facebook message from someone I knew her a long time ago. And she wrote me a message and said, your sermon changed my life when you preached about this passage. And it's one you have seen before Ephesians 4, 29. 
Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need so that your words may give grace to those who hear. What does it mean for you words to give grace? Grace is unmerited favor. And so our words are when someone says something to you, and we may not like it, but when someone says something to you, we return unmerited kindness. When someone says something hurtful, we return with unmerited kindness. And somehow, we may not see the fruit of it immediately, but somehow God works on them. Do you know what tells us in Proverbs that your gentle words turn away wrath? And so this is how God tells us to operate. Our tendency is to operate the other way. But I think Jesus and Paul, they're telling us to be different. Listen again what he says in Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said you love, must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you. So that, listen to this, so that you will be acting as children of the Father who is in heaven. You pray for your enemies. You love your enemies. It doesn't mean you're going to have warm, fuzzy feelings about your enemies. But it means that we operate differently. You return kindness for the unkindness. That's how it is. That's what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. In Romans, our men's Bible study, we've been studying the book of Romans. And in Romans, Paul writes this in Romans 12. If possible, to the best of your ability, live at peace with all people. Don't try to get revenge for yourselves, my dear friends. Don't be defeated by evil. But defeat evil with good. It's echoed in Ephesians chapter 4. Put aside all bitterness, losing your temper, anger, shouting, and slander, along with every other evil. Be kind, compassionate, and forgiving to each other. In the same way, God forgave you in Christ. It's not easy. I don't presume that it is. But it is what we as Christians look like. Jesus is constantly talking about forgiveness. I mean, that's... The Son of Man came to offer forgiveness. It's what the cross shows us, that Christ forgives and, and literally forgave while he was on the cross. It's how he tells us to pray when the disciples said, how are we supposed to pray? For, Father, forgive me, right, as I forgive others. It's what he teaches us throughout. Peter, it's interesting to me that Peter questions just like we do. Well, how can I do this? I mean, how many times do I literally forgive someone? When they sin against me, what am I supposed to do? Forgive them seven times? And to Peter, that would have been like a crazy thought. I mean, seven times? Forgive somebody seven times? And Jesus' response in Matthew 18 is this. Jesus said, not just seven times, but rather as many as 77 times. Do y'all remember what Lamech said? when he boasted in Genesis about how much vengeance he was going to have on someone, if you come after me, I'll have vengeance to 77 times fold. Jesus takes Lamech's idea and turns it upside down. You don't have vengeance 77, you forgive 77 times. You aren't saying that it's okay, you're not saying that what they do doesn't hurt you. You're not saying that it's acceptable. But as people of God, we say, I choose not to get even. I choose to show grace. 
That's how it is in the kingdom of God. Do not kill. It's bigger. Do not kill. Do not get even. Listen to me, church. Do not crush someone's spirit. Do not use words to cause harm. Forgive others. Because if we begin to do that, we will experience the joy that Christ has for us. So all you graduates who are going to go away to school, don't learn from what you see us do. Al's right. The scripture tells us. When you go to, church, when you go to school, do don't harm someone. Don't use your words to speak ill of other people. Use your words to show grace. Build people up. Don't crush someone's spirit. Lift their spirit up. Because in so doing, we fulfill the spirit of that sixth commandment. Amen?